0: Well, good morning, y'all. We are uh, in a series that will end next week, which, um, believe it or not, is Easter, uh, called John 3.16 Deconstructed. And the whole uh, premise behind this series is that you know John 3.16 is one of those verses that we've heard a hundred times in our lives. And we can sometimes check out on it and become calloused uh, because we've heard it so many times, it's so familiar that we don't really focus in on the words. And so uh, the whole point of this series is that we're just breaking this verse down line by line so that we can really uh, refocus in on the power of the message of this uh, verse. And today is a little line in that verse that actually makes this verse very controversial in the eyes of the world. And that is the line that says, whoever believes in him. Now, for those of us who have been Christians for a long time, we go, what do you mean? Why is that controversial? But um, for those of us who are new to the faith... Um, For those of us who have, you know, friends who are outside of the faith, this is really a a controversial component to the Christian faith because it's really a a big issue for a lot of people. Because what this is clearly saying is that it is only by believing in Jesus that you're able to be saved. In fact, there was a, a survey that came out not too long ago. Um, dealing with the issue of faith in our country that was taken by the Gallup polls. And it goes through and it asks all the typical questions that you would expect, uh, you know, in religion is, you know, how many times you go to church and blah, blah, blah. But there was, and I'm not usually surprised, you know, by any of the polls, but there was one question in particular that was surprising to me because it was geared toward people who profess to be Christians and the response was pretty alarming because the survey showed that 52% of Christians believe that most people will go to heaven and that there are many paths and religions that all lead to the same place. Now, I think that this report shows a growing trend toward religious tolerance to the point that there are people who are holding on to beliefs that actually contradict the very doctrine of the faith that they say that they believe in. Even George Gallup himself was kind of floored with it, and he said, the high degree of religious tolerance reflects in part not only the lack of knowledge of other religions, but also an ignorance of one's own faith. In some polls, he says, you have Christians saying, yes, Jesus is the only way to salvation, and at the very same time, they say that there are many paths that lead to God. It's not that Americans don't believe anything that's troubling. It's that Americans believe everything that's troubling. There is no absolute defining truth. So here's the, the thing, and here's the thing that's probably true: is that, you know, if that survey is correct, there's probably a lot of us here in this room who believe in that same kind of idea. And you know, in this age of political correctness, it has become more and more prevalent. There has been this ever-increasing cry for religious tolerance, which by the way, I buy into, I believe in, which basically means that we are to uh, respect the views of people who worship a different God who, or who have different beliefs than we do, which, Again, I completely believe in as well, because I think that people use religion as an excuse to be able to justify their racist viewpoints against other people, against other people groups. However, while you can respect other viewpoints, it doesn't mean that you have to believe the same as the other viewpoints that you are tolerating that you are being empathic for. If you claim that your belief is the correct belief, are you considered to be intolerant? Is it better to accept religious ambiguity than run the risk of being politically incorrect? I mean, look, I have very close friends of mine who are Jewish and Muslim and Hindu and even atheists. And we all love each other. And we can all sit over a glass of wine and we can talk religion and we don't get defensive and we don't get into arguments because we have such a respect for each other that you know, we're just there to exchange ideas and, and beliefs and to share with each other what we believe the truth is. And I don't think that we should be arrogant enough to believe that we corner the market on truth because faith is way complicated. And I would say that the opposite is also true in that if we're going to land on a faith, if we're going to say that we're Christians, then I believe that we have to follow the tenets of the Christian faith come hell or high water. And see, I think this is where it gets down to. Religious tolerance is good and important, but it's not synonymous with believing someone else is right or that everyone is right, for that matter. It's having a respect for what they believe in, even if they believe differently than you do. It's important that we show respect for people who come from different cultures and speak a different language and different faiths and religions that are different from our own without judging it, without feeling a need to argue it out or trying to prove that you're right and somebody else is wrong. However, the issue is becoming tolerant to the point of diluting your own faith is really dangerous. Suddenly, we're in the land of pop theology, where there are no absolute truths and nobody's wrong and everybody's right and doggone it, we're all good people and so at the end, we're all going to end up in the same place. But that's not what the Bible teaches. And for us as Christians, we hold that the Bible is the Word of God and our absolute truth it doesn't matter what my opinion is. There's a lot of things in the Bible I disagree with that I would do differently if I were God. You should be thankful that I'm not. And I'm sure there's a lot of things that you don't agree with, but it doesn't matter. Because when we accept the Christian faith, we are accepting the fact that we follow the Bible as the absolute truth, as the absolute source of our truth. And it only matters what our source of truth says. And in John 3.16, it makes it one thing really, really clear. That it is only those who believe in him who in the end will be saved. Uh, So, I mean, this really is the crux of it though, really, isn't it? Um, It's one thing to say that you believe in God and that you're a spiritual person—that's pretty well received at a party or wherever you're at. Um, it's an entirely different thing, I think, to say that I am a follower of Jesus. I'm pretty sure that's politically incorrect, and um, I think that you know the implication is that if you say that you're a follower of Jesus and, and that's a core tenet of the Christian faith, then um, by default, people believe that others are. Excluded, And I think this is where it gets pretty complicated because I think that a lot of people will call Christianity very narrow-minded and arrogant to believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation because it does alienate other people, according to them. In John 14, 6, it makes it very clear. And Jesus is speaking here. He says, I am the way the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And there are some 30 other passages in the Bible that say the same thing, that we can only be saved through Jesus. This is a core tenet of the Christian faith. If you profess to be a Christian, if you profess to be a follower of Jesus, this is a core tenet of the Christian faith, that we cannot be saved outside of Jesus Christ. I've uh, told this story a few times now, but I think it you know, bears repeating from time to time because I, I think it best illustrates the point that I'm trying to make here because I was, I was talking to um, someone who was checking out Westridge several years ago, and he considered himself to be an agnostic, which means that for all practical purposes, he is ambivalent to any particular belief in God. And he wanted to get my take on the Christian faith, and truly I wanted to get his take on his agnosticism, and so we sat down and we just had an honest conversation about our faith. And um, as we began to discuss his beliefs, he said something that really surprised me. He said, as far as the values and beliefs of Christianity go, I can accept that because I believe many of those same things myself. I mean, you know, it's good to love your neighbor and all that, right? And he said, and I really do enjoy the church thing. I think there's a value there. And by the way, the music is great here. Messages, hmm, but the music's great. Um, but then he paused for a minute, and he said, you know, I guess if I were to sum it up in one word what my issue with the Christian faith is, I would have to say it's Jesus. I have a real problem with the whole Jesus thing. He said, how can a loving God Throw a good person into the pits of hell just because they don't believe in Jesus. Really gets down to the core of the issue. So now we're we're getting down to it, which, quite frankly, is an issue that a lot of people have. Right. And so I ask him, well, do you believe that everybody in the entire world, no matter what they have done in this life, should go to heaven? And he said, no. I said, okay, then who wouldn't you let in? If it were up to you, who doesn't make the cut? He said, well, people who steal and cheat and lie and kill, you know, bad people. I said, okay, have you ever been classified as a bad person or done any of those things that you've just listed? He said, well, he said, I've certainly done some bad things in my life, but I wouldn't consider myself to be a bad person. I said, okay, fair enough. So we were sitting next to a chalkboard, and I handed him a piece of chalk, and I said, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to draw a line down the middle of the chalkboard, and on the top of the line, I want you to write the word heaven, And on the bottom, I want you to write the word hell, and I want you to list out everybody that you know in your life and put them in one category or the other, heaven or hell. He's like, no, I'm not going to do that. He said, that's impossible. I said, well, if you believe, like most people, that good people go to heaven and that there are also people who aren't good enough to get in, where do you draw the line? Is it only those people who can keep it down to just one sin a day? Or should it be maybe one sin a month? We'll loosen it up a little bit. Or maybe just one sin a year. If it's just a sin a year, how many of us do you think would actually not make it in? Because I'm pretty sure that my sin quota is much higher than that. Or maybe then we should draw the line based on how bad that sin that you've committed really is. Maybe that's where we draw the line. Right? And so maybe we draw the line for people who steal. That's a bad thing. But what about the 10-year-old kid in India who's starving to death and he steals a loaf of bread simply to survive? Does he not get in now? Or should the line be drawn for people who lie? We hate liars. Like, should we draw the line for people who just out and out lie? Or would it also be drawn for people who just tell little white lies? Like when your wife asks you if her butt looks big in this dress. Where do you draw the line? When you think about heaven, Who do you have in your head that is walking through the front gates all proud with a big neon flashing light saying, welcome? And who do you see in your head trying to sneak in the back door? And who do you see not having any shot at all of getting even remotely close to those pearly gates? Most people believe that Jesus will make his decision about who gets in and who is out by how good a person is in their life. Presumably like a balance sheet, right? All the good things on one side, all the bad things on the other. And when your life comes to an end on that day, you better hope and pray that the good outweighs the bad or you're in big trouble. But that couldn't be further from the truth. That's not the good news of the gospel. So then, how do you determine who is good enough and who is bad enough? And if I were to put the chalk into your hand, where would you draw the line? If it were up to you. Now, before you take that chalk, and with confidence say, oh, I got this. I know who's in and who's out. And you feel pretty good about that. The bottom line is the Bible also teaches us that it's not our place to judge. And one of my pet peeves is when Christians draw that line and they say, man, that person is definitely not getting it. We have no idea. Jesus said before you start looking at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye. Check out the big old plank in your own. In other words, you got enough stuff in your own life to worry about. Keep your eyes focused on what they should be, which is your own messed up life. We let God do the judging. And I thank God that I'm not the judge. Jesus came to blur the line. He came to change the rules and said, it's not about. Morality. It's not about comparing ourselves to other people to see whose sin is worse and whose faith is stronger and who's more religious. Not at all. It's not about being a good person because you can never be good enough. You'd pretty much have to be perfect if you wanted to draw the line there. It was Jesus who blurred the lines of what people believed by eating with sinners. Sinners that the religious leaders of his day believed to be those bad people. There's Jesus enjoying a glass of wine with those people. It was Jesus who blurred the lines by forgiving the woman who was caught in adultery or the tax collector who stole from his own people. It was Jesus who completely erased the line as he was hanging there on the cross. And he looks over at this common criminal who's hanging right next to him and he looks at him and he says, surely today you will be with me in paradise. He is the only one who had the power to make that promise. The one belief the one belief that sets the Christian faith apart more than any other is this. God so loved the world so much that he didn't have the heart to draw a line. But instead, he created a new plan whereby he would not have to exclude anyone. No one would be excluded from the kingdom of God. As Lance talked about last week, that's how God solved the problem of sin. The sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for those who believe in him and ask for forgiveness, God makes this promise that he will remove your sin from your life as far as the east is from the west. And when that forgiveness hits, it leaves you what? perfect, sinless, not because of anything we've done or not done or because we got it right. It's because of what God has done for us. And that's what the Bible calls grace. And God said, I want you to be with me for all of eternity so badly that I've done everything for you and all you have to do is accept it. Christianity levels the playing field like no other religion in the world so that nobody can think of themselves as any better than anybody else, so that nobody can judge anybody else. Christianity is the most inclusive faith that I know because God restricts no one from the kingdom of heaven. No matter what color your skin is or nationality, No matter how much money you have or you don't, it doesn't matter what you've done in your past, there are none of us that are good enough to get in. We are all beggars at the door of God's mercy. But Jesus removed the line. And the good news of the gospel is when he said that he would open the door to anyone, everyone, who knocks. I just want to make this really clear. The Bible teaches that the entrance requirement to get into heaven is that we have to be perfect. We have to live a perfect life. And the Bible also tells us that none of us are perfect, in spite of, some of what some of us think. And so there is only one way to remove that sin from our lives and that is through the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. There's only one reason why we're able to have that forgiveness is because Jesus Christ died on the cross to purchase us a place in heaven. And that sin is the only thing that prevents us from getting into heaven and so if we don't deal with that sin, if we don't accept God's forgiveness, if we don't accept his grace, by default, we're making a decision. Because that sin not only keeps us blocked from God in this life, it keeps us blocked from God in the next. Everyone is invited, but not everyone accepts. The only people who are excluded from Christianity are those who exclude themselves. And the Bible teaches that God himself does not willy-nilly send anybody to heaven or to hell. That we choose to either accept the grace of God or we choose to reject it. There is a clear choice that is in front of us. And when it comes down to us, when it comes down to it, if we have made the decision to live with God in this world, in this life, then we have made the decision to live with him in the next. But the opposite is also true. If we have made the decision to reject Jesus, to reject God, to reject his grace, to reject his invitation of forgiveness and eternal life, then we've also made a decision to reject that in the next. You see, whatever hell is, and we don't have a great image of hell, but... Whatever hell is, it is defined as the place where God is not. And so if we have chose to live without God in this world, then we have chose, we've made a decision to live without God in the next. When we reject Jesus Christ, what we are essentially saying is, I don't need anybody to save me. I am powerful enough to save myself, but I have to tell you that none of us ain't got that kind of power. So, when it comes down to it, and we profess to be Christians, we profess to be followers of Jesus, how can we possibly say that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin and not believe that He is the only way to salvation? Because the only way to forgiveness. The only way to stand before God, the judge, perfect, on that day when we leave this world is through the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. There is one verse in the Bible more than any other that defines the Christian faith more than anything else. For God, so loved the world. that he gave his one and only son whoever, whoever you are from wherever you're from if you believe in him you will not die but instead you will have everlasting life